0: Just listeners, welcome back. Such a pleasure to have you here with us for Throwing Shade. Alan, how? How are you doing? Baruch Hashem. Amazing. I love it. Okay, so uh, we have got the midterm elections coming up and also Halloween. Yes. So um, let's talk about hell, right? Doesn't, okay. that, <laughs> doesn't that sound appropriate? Um, we were going to use today's episode to talk about Azazel, which is a little bit of a complicated thing. Alan, you'll help... Elucidate and and tease out all of the meanings here, but um, Azazel the, the the term may be familiar to some of our listeners from the Yom Kippur liturgy. Um, there's there's a whole sort of uh, ritual that we talk about on Yom Kippur with regards to Azazel and getting rid of the sins of the House of Israel, and also when I think about Azazel. Um, it's been a while since I've been to Israel, but there's this phrase um, that maybe people still say, I don't know, like, azazel, like, go to Azazel basically means go to hell. And it's not a nice thing to say to another person. So let's talk about it. Azazel. Okay. Alan, bring it. Tell us um, more.
1: Yeah. So, uh, okay. So I think it should be clarified that, um, well, first, let me just say this. Depending on where you're coming from, what tradition you want to follow, the word Azazel can mean different things. It can mm-hmm. mean either the name of a place, right? Or it can be the name of a living entity. Okay. And if it is the name of a place, I think it should be clarified that that place is not hell. <laughs> um so if somebody Fine. translated <laughs> left Azazel to you once as go to hell, yeah. it was colloquial. Well, it's the not colloquial literal. equivalent. Yes, right, totally. Right. <coughs> yes. Right. Um, what is Azazel the place then? If it is a place, mm-hmm. it is, uh, it, there's a whole, um, discussion of it in the Gemara, Masech Yuma, uh, which is the,
0: Gemara, so the Talmud and Tractate, Tractate Yuma, yeah.
1: Yuma, which talks about the Kohen Godol's Avoida on, uh, Yom Kippur, the, the worship service of the, the, the high priest, yeah, on, on Yom Kippur, um, and, uh, uh i encourage our listeners to go learn that stuff and, you know, It's is 67a mm-hmm. um at page a is, great yes um so it, uh, but i don't want to focus on it as a place i want to focus on it what was that what would azazel mean if it were a living entity mm-hmm. so um in that discussion in the gemara is um a whole thing about uh where it talks about what it is as a place uh there is Actually, Rashi's commentary, so we're following on our hmm. last episode about Rashi. Yeah, yeah. Rashi discusses that Azazel, uh, he's actually described as a person, not just a, per, a person, not a person, a living entity, I should say.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, a being, a creature. A creature.
1: A dude. Sure. Perhaps, um, yeah. A creation of Hashem. Yes. Uh, that is something called a, um, one of, he's one of the Malachi Chabala. Which is um, the uh, often translated as fallen angels. Oh, um, Now these Malachi chabala, you might think, oh, we've already had many discussions about how angels are not shadim, malachim are not shadim, that they're right. different things. Right. Right. Um, however, <gasps> um, dun, dun, dun. Rashi seems to be saying pretty clearly here that Azazel is one of these fallen angels. What are these fallen angels? The chabala. Yeah. Um. So he continues by saying, uh, So, um, yeah, these are this is describing Naama. If you remember from way back, Naama is the name of one of our four queens um, mm. of the Shadim. Mm-hmm. Okay, Naama was created, you know, way back at the beginning. Yeah, and she and also Lilith did some not so nice stuff with Adam, Reshin, mm-hmm. and um and uh, the, she continues to do bad stuff to men <laughs> um <Yeah. clears
0: throat>
1: uh, along with Lilith uh, and the the why am i talking about Nama and because Nama um eventually so she is involved in the creation of further shadeem throughout the uh the Throughout the history mm-hmm. of humankind. Uh-huh. Um,
0: Queen mother type.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, well, have, deal, have deal, Not to compare.
1: Um, and what happens is that after the flood,
0: mm-hmm. if you
1: look at the the Torah text there um, in, in Parshas Nayach, uh, you see a strange thing that the rabbis talk about and I'm pretty much ad infinitum. Yeah. There's these 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 things called Bnei Eleichim. Al- al- yeah. B'nei al- yeah. So that the, these, these giant creatures. Right. That b'nei are al- just al- around. Like,
0: yeah. The, the children of the mighty ones, if you wanted to be real loose about the translation or the children of God.
1: I'm Not sure. That's usually how it's translated, although it is the yeah. same word. But right. yeah. Right. Um, I'm just trying to be. Yeah. Yeah. Accurate here. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. The. um so that so uh these creatures these giants uh what is usually how they're understood uh copulate with human women mm-hmm. and create demons who are these yeah. creatures mm-hmm. well we know about a few of them um we know about like uh well so um we know about basically three of them have names, mm-hmm. but there's another source called the Book of mm. um, which is not exactly a authoritative source, I would say. Right. But there is the source that says apparently there are 18 of them. and They're called Nasi'im. They're called princes. Mm-hmm. These are the spawn of Naama, mm-hmm. and they, in turn, copulate with human women mm-hmm. and one of these spawn that whose names we know mm-hmm. is azazel oh so azazel um uh, and uh, by the way i should just mention like everything i'm saying I- i'm not quoting all my sources because it comes from kind of all over the place there's sources in the zayar sources in midrashim right. Tanhumah, um there's uh, and like i just mentioned about rashi and right we'll try and
0: tweet a bunch <coughs> of stuff afterwards to fill in some of the gaps but sure continue
1: um ramban actually talks about it so as you mentioned ramban, before, also known as nachmanides nachmanides yeah mm-hmm. so uh, as you mentioned um miriam this this whole service is described uh of, of the korea godal it, it's described in the torah itself in parasha zachary mice yeah um uh and um the uh, and Ramban there in that in that commentary, he sort of alludes to the fact that what does Azazel really mean? Well, it's very secretive, and I'm, you know, there are all these secrets about it, and, mm-hmm. and so it's it's yeah. not so simple that it's just like a place,
0: yeah. necessarily sort of exotic esoteric air around the whole thing, right? Hmm. Okay, let's take a break there, and then we'll we'll dive even deeper with Azazel. Okay, so we're talking about Azazel, who um, appears on the scene right after the flood, where there's just all of these kind of weird, mishmashy, copulation y things <laughs> happening and um, different creatures appearing on, on the earth and, and doing their thing. So, so tell us more about Azazel. What else do we know?
1: Right. So um, the thing about Azazel that I find pretty interesting is that he is uh, related his whole yes yes he uh, according to all of the Majashim and other sources that we just mentioned he appears at the time at the time of the flood Mm -hmm. however he's first named in the Torah at Parshat Ahre like we said okay and um and all this stuff about the the uh the Koen and if you are not familiar I encourage you to learn it's in it's in the the book of Leviticus um Mm -hmm. but what happens is uh, roughly briefly in a nutshell the Kohen godol he has two goats right. and there's one goat and, and there's a lottery involved and the one goat is sent to be brought as a as a sacrifice in mm-hmm. the temple right and the other goat is sent lazazel sent to this azazel either that's a place or a, mm-hmm. or to azazel or possibly both um, mm-hmm. which is the most likely answer mm-hmm. um, because there is a specific place that the uh, that the goat is sent What's interesting mm-hmm. to me about it is that they're goats, and um, <laughs> right, <laughs> yes. And we know from other sources that there is a class, a caste of shadim called seirim, which oh, are goat-like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, they're not goats, but they are. They have goat-like features.
0: Right, and you see this term seir or the or seirim mm-hmm. um, at various places in the in the Torah, like they're just sort of casually mentioned.
1: Yes, there was there as was a the, a the Torah way. talks about Seir worship which was as a bad mm. thing that was happening that people would worship these in English they're called satyrs S A T Y R but uh, which comes from Seir, but they Got are it. goat yeah like creatures
0: yeah well the Torah in general tends to not look favorably upon any worshipping anything but God right <laughs> yes like, <laughs> thank you but yeah especially especially goat demons that seems to you know, not so kosher,
1: right? Um, what's interesting is that I have seen sources that speak about I, I'm pretty sure this is Rashi. Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure there's another Rashi. Feels like a safe bet. Um, that um, this this whole idea of siirim uh, and it actually traces itself back to Asav oh. the, um, the the brother of Yaakov Avinu, you know, mm.
0: uh,
1: because he's called Ish Sa'ir, mm. which means hairy right but seir and sair are spelled the same in hebrew oh. and um that he may have been somehow related to asap and he was sort rather was somehow related to the Seirim. yeah and um we also know he was kind of a wild person and not you know like right right an um,
0: outdoorsman sure kind of a nick offerman type
1: Okay. No, except, really. except hairier and more demon-like. Right. Um.
0: Right. Less lovably rugged. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. No. But it's interesting. There's a couple of this is this is um, you know another example of the rabbis kind of reading back into the text and actively seeking out an origin story for um, for Azazel, right, and attributing his his birth to this this wacky time right around the flood. And then also for the Seirim, reading back into the text and trying to make that connection of, like, what, what is the origin story? Where did these come from? And, um, you know, trying to draw those those connections for the things that they're seeing in the text later on. Right. So, okay, so um, so what's the takeaway from Azazel? What, what should we be... What do you think we should be thinking about this character? And why is it important? I mean... So, uh, uh,
1: I mean, there's many things you could draw from it. The first thing that comes to mind is, of course, the actual avoid of Yom Kippur, where the Kohen Godol is taking these two goats and deciding one of them is going to carry the burden of all of the Jewish people's sins for the entire year. Right. And take it off to this shade, possibly. Right, Right,
0: which is fascinating because I feel like we've talked a lot about Shadim being um, kind of the ones who stand in the way of doing mitzvahs in the first place. And then the goat that represents all of those missed mitzvah opportunities and those mistakes and all of the, you know, the, the stuff that we've screwed up on throughout the year then goes back to the Shadim who, you know, in some ways are, you know, Considered to be somewhat responsible for Right I mean so there th- That in the first place right
1: It's interesting I, I, I hesitate to to Follow that line of logic just because Well I, I'll say let me start by saying this What you're saying is corroborated by a pretty Reliable traditional Source the, the mm. He says that um, uh, In fact this was a kind of Way of Um Kind of a way of, I don't know, appeasing uh, mm. Azazel, who he thinks of, and this is, he's not the only one who thinks that Azazel might also actually be another name for possibly different Shadim, mm. one whose name I won't say. And one who is, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, and he's a baddie and we one to talk about him and one who is the Satan, which is not really a shade. Right. Um, mm. um And uh, so the, the, according to the Mayamalayas it it, it it would follow your line of logic would follow to be like, oh yeah, it's it's like appeasing this right. This but but I hesitate to do that because of what we talked about. Like it would seem it it could seem like that would be sort of like a demon worship kind of thing, right? Like we're we're sending this sacrifice, one's going to Hashem and one is going to this other
0: quote right. unquote
1: power. Which
0: yeah, that's w- not quite what I meant. I guess it just it just feels like things coming full circle right that Uh the demons are they're standing in the way of the Israelites at the time doing mitzvahs Um, and then the all of those mistakes and missed opportunities get sort of um, uh, ritually placed upon the head of this goat and sent back to the demons Um, so it's sort of like this is this is your shiz to deal with you know. There's, there's something about it, like just coming, oh. always coming back to them. Right. Not, not as an, not as an offering or an appeasement, but like that it all, it all literally and symbolically comes back to the shading.
1: Um, I think that's brilliant. I didn't think of that. Um, oh, what? And <laughs> <laughs> That's going on a
0: shirt. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I um, like that.
1: I like that. Um. I'd have to look more deeply into the Miamalayas to to see if that if he would follow what you're saying as well. Yeah, I'm, it's a guess. Um, but but it's a it's a it's a nice one. It's a nice one to think about. Aw, thanks. Yeah.
0: yeah. If there's anything nice to think about when it comes to Azazel, let's make it that. <laughs> cool. All right. Well thanks, Alan. Okay, so we have a really cool question from our listener, Jack, who has submitted questions before and is just a fabulous dude. But he asked us a little while ago, um, he's been doing research into all of this cool stuff and has learned a lot about Lilith amulets. Um, including notes that there are still communities of Jews who use them. Um, but what he hasn't been able to find is any documentation of folks who currently make and sell them. So I think this is, this is a cool opportunity to talk a little bit about Lilith amulets. Um, and then, mm. Alan, do you happen to know if this is something that's, that's still in use and in practice? So, Jack, thanks for the question. Alan, what you got?
1: So uh, great question, Jack. Thank you uh, for that. As always. As always. Um, So the answer is, of course there are. And also, of course there aren't. Um, (laughs)
0: That is less than helpful. (laughs) Please Um, elucidate. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah. So uh, let me just start off by saying, do people still use Lilith amulets? Of course. Um, I have used them in the past. What is a Lilith amulet? It is.
0: What is a Lilith amulet?
1: It is not so necessarily. Let me start by saying not necessarily so crazy and cool and weird and off the beaten path and special and whatever as you might think. Mm. It could be as simple something as simple as one of the one of the Psalms, one of the Tehillim. Mm. Um, and uh, okay, it, in so that amulet. Sense, it's very, in- Amulet common, in the common. sense of like a but an amulet in the sense of an amulet so
0: right a Miriam, physical when kind you of protective. Were,
1: when you were giving birth to our youngest son, mm, indeed, I, I had put well. a, I had put a Lilith amulet up on the wall, one that I got for free from Chabad.org.
0: Right, and then printed out and put on print the wall. Printed out and
1: put it on the wall. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> uh, other Lilith amulets are not so even so special as that. Just something as simple as a red string, is thought folklorically to right. be protective right. against Lilith. Yes, and to, the best, well.
0: and to the best of my knowledge, Lilith has not shown up and hung out with our children. So, Correct. Yay. Um,
1: there are other more, and, and what's what I think maybe part of what Jack's question might be is why don't we know that these are Lilith amulets? In other words, these things are Lilith amulets, at least traditionally, historically, mm-hmm. and yet they're not, broadcast as such they're not advertised as such
0: well just the idea of having an amulet feels so kind of old world right but um a mezuzah is an amulet right it's a it's a it's a physical it could, that's protective a little different <laughs> well i mean in the i think it's, in, a, it's a mitzvah
1: like the it's, Torah tells us that.
0: it also happens to be a mitzvah but it but it's a it's a protective kind of marking that you know delineates one space from another that's intended to You know, I I think there's there's um, we sort of deride this idea of amulets as being folklorish or being, um, you know, not Ah, so serious or whatever. But there are elements of of Jewish tradition that are that are more codified, that are more based in halacha, that still that have that kind of, um, you know, vibe to them. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Sure. Uh, I also and, and so the second half of that. Statement Let me just say is that, um, of course, there aren't, meaning we don't want to focus on the Lilith part of it, we want to focus on the Hashem part of it, Mm. the part of Hashem doing the actual work of protecting or creating, whichever the
0: right. I don't know, during the the birth of our children, I remember doing a lot of the work, but yeah, yeah, I'm (laughs) sure, I'm sure God had something to do with it too, believe me.
1: When you are whatever, I, don't I just going clearly it. and um, the but I think that maybe Jack is trying to ask a different question. Oh, um, there are other kameas how you say it in Hebrew or Aramaic mm-hmm. um, for amulet, yeah, amulets uh, that are more weird and esoteric, and traditionally, like you find way old examples of these, mm-hmm. and that might be what Jack is referring to that when he says still, right? Communities that still practice this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so the answer, again, there is, of course there are, and of course there aren't. Um, of course there are. Uh, let me start with, of course there aren't, um, because, again, you run into the problem of what is the deal with all of these things that are happening, and it's not really fully explained, and why isn't it fully explained? Well, it depends. It depends on which community you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start by saying I don't know much about a lot of these communities and their and their um, tradition with Shadim and Lilith specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, my very meager expertise that I feel like I'm <laughs> versed enough to have a podcast about <laughs> yeah. comes from the Ashkenazi tradition. Right. But I know that there's a lot of this going on very openly as opposed to a lot of Ashkenazi communities, very openly in Sephardi um, and Mizrahi communities. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, so, I'm not gonna say too much more about that. I would start by suggesting, Jack and anybody else who wants to really look into this, start with those communities. Mm-hmm. Of course, there aren't, because you can't just look up online for these things. There's no Bali Shem doing these things online. Um, and that was one of, a part of Jack's question in the actual text that you didn't read because it was a long question. Mm-hmm. But um, I love the, uh, the fact that everyone thinks. That all the sum of human knowledge knowledge is accessible on the internet, and anybody can just search and you know ask Jeeves or whatever people are using these days. Oh honey, um, um,
0: so much work to do. Um, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> um, you can um, reach Alan <laughs> at his Hotmail address.
1: <laughs> I don't have a Hotmail address. Um, yeah, so you um, you can you can you can access all this information. All the sum it's not true. Yeah. there are many many things. Ex- especially closely guarded secret things such as Kabbal- Kabbalistic stuff, such as Shadim stuff, such as right other occulty kind of stuff. I mean,
0: that stuff's all on Friendster in MySpace.
1: No, <laughs> it's <laughs> not on the internet at all. That's the whole idea. Oh. You have to know people and you have to be mm. in those communities. So, if you're in one of these communities, I know that there are, like I said before, Mizrahi and Sfardi kind of vale shem, um, mikubalim in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to know somebody who knows somebody.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: know that there are Ashkenazi people doing that too, not just in Israel, but in parts of the rest of the world too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I've, I've contacted these people. You know, I know they exist. Using but you can't what mechanism? knowing a guy who knows a guy and then
0: contacting them via
1: and sometimes and sometimes internet no no not the internet
0: sometimes all right that's never never happened to me
1: not not if you want one of these kinds of weird wacky ones that jack is really asking about i think all right and the point is you have to be in the community yeah that's fair you have to be one of these people in the community yeah i'll Um, stop ribbing
0: you you're right
1: yeah um so uh uh, I'm sorry if that's disappointing for Jack, um, but uh, I'm, you know, happy to talk to him about it.
0: Yeah, because, you know, so. a guy. Totally. Cool. All right. Well, I, I mean, guys, keep sending your questions at Throwing Shade on Twitter um, or, you know, find us elsewhere um, on Napster or whatever. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and we will take your questions in a subsequent episode. Okay, Shade Throwers, we've come to the end of our time, but we're going to leave you with a quick action item or something to think about, I guess, to ruminate on as you go into the rest of your week. Um, And a couple of the things that we have talked about in this episode um, go back to this idea, I think, of uh, protection during a time of transition. Um, we we talked about the origin of Azazel being, coming out of, you know, the rabbis kind of dig back into the text to figure out where did this come from and come back to a time um, of, of wild transition, you know, with the flood and, uh-huh. and going into a new world. And there was all this crazy stuff happening and these weird creatures emerging and all this, and it must have come from that. Um, and then this idea of Kamehaz, of amulets sort of being that protective grounding force in times of transition, like giving birth or like walking from, From you know, from room to room and moving from one space to another, that you need something there to, to hold onto, to ground you, to remind you of, of what matters and what's important. And, um, I think that, you know, regardless of whether the transition that you are experiencing is personal and small or national and super crazy important it's really um it's really key to be able to to go vote (laughs) Uh, it's really key to be able to ground yourself in something and remember what matters and hold on to that and and get through that that liminal time because that's when um crazy things can happen that's when it's easy to lose sight of of uh, what really matters and feel like you're out of control so having that that grounding thing to come back to and remind you of who you are and where your center is and all that kind of good stuff can be really really powerful so all right that's good thanks wow got lots of kudos from you today i dig it yay all right everybody shade throwers you're amazing you're gorgeous go out and be your amazing selves and we will catch you here next time on throwing shade better living through jewish demonology